0: You are listening to the Oxford Review podcast for the very latest research in leadership, management, organizational development and change, human resource management, organizational learning, coaching, work psychology, and decision making. Hi, and welcome to the Oxford Review podcast. I'm David Wilkinson, the editor of the Oxford Review.
1: And I'm Sarah Smith, Contributing Editor at the Oxford Review.
0: And today we're going to be having a look at uh, an interesting paper about practical leadership and management wisdom. So just a quick look at the number of peer-reviewed research articles on the following topics tells you probably just about everything that you need to know about the overall research effort being put into the leadership or management wisdom. So in terms of uh, numbers of papers for all times, when you look at leadership decision-making, there's in excess of uh, 2.6 million papers, um, peer-reviewed papers out there. In terms of management decision-making, there's in excess of 2.2 million papers. And then when you start to come down to looking at papers for management wisdom, you're looking at 674 papers, that's across all time, Mm. and in terms of leadership wisdom, you can half that, it's 364 papers for all time. So, you know, as you can see, it's not exactly high on people's agenda, research agenda, or interest really within organisations, although I think that interests kind of starting to become more and more as we go along I don't know what do you think
1: yeah so. absolutely I think it's um something that increasingly is a topic that um is attracting more research and interest and certainly um both from the kind of management and leadership side and also from the kind of psychology side and um, there's a real acceleration I think in interest in this area
0: Yeah, and I'm finding people in organisations are becoming more and more interested in in leadership anyway. Mm, Yeah. Um, So hopefully we'll start to see that figure goes up. So anyway, um, I'll I'll quickly do a preview of the research briefing and uh, then we'll have a quick discussion about it. So not only is wisdom the poor relationship of decision making, it's fascinating to note that there are approximately twice as many management wisdom papers than leadership wisdom papers, which I found quite interesting. Why would that be? I'd have thought it would have been the other way around. Yes.
2: You know, it's a
0: bit weird that... Um, But previous studies have found that the concept of practical wisdom is somewhat of a a kind of a slippery concept I suppose. The ambiguity around being able to define what wisdom is in the first place and how to become wise, um, how to have wisdom probably accounts for some of the lack of attention. A number of previous researchers have concluded that the idea of practical wisdom is so fuzzy and difficult to analyse that providing research-based conclusions and guidance with any level of certainty uh, has been just about virtually impossible, I suppose. The situation hasn't been helped by the fact that there's little agreement between researchers about the tools and methods for conducting research into practical wisdom anyway. A new study by a team of researchers from from a a range of universities in Germany has conducted a wide-ranging synthesis of research into practical leadership and management wisdom in an effort to bring some clarity to the field and to provide a framework to help thinking about the topic. Now, there's been a significant increase in research activity around practical leadership and management wisdom in recent years largely as a direct result of very public leadership management failings. The interest is largely being generated as a result of concerns about ethical decision-making by businesses and governmental leaders and managers. You know, and as we're recording this, we've got kind of Brexit yeah. going on, uh, you know, and the whole thing about wisdom speaks yeah. right into that, yeah. and whether our political leaders are being wise at the moment or not. <laughs> yeah there's a mute point right Just now so um and additionally there's been more recent realization that as one 2015 study put it management relies heavily on um how do you pronounce this francis Phronesis. Mm. thanks or yeah. practical wisdom And that many approaches to leadership and management thinking and decision-making are too mechanistic, formulaic, and miss or ignore wider ethical and principled issues. This explosion of interest can be seen in the fact that in 1990, one research review could only find two research papers about management wisdom. And the fact is that there's now been over 650 studies since 1990 is an indication of the growing interest in that area. So let's just have a quick look at where wisdom tends to be studied, and it tends to be studied across three um, primary subject areas, which are philosophy, psychology, and theology. Um, So from a, a philosophical point of view, the philosophical treatment of practical wisdom has tended to focus on a number of core issues. Um, uh, there are 12, uh, 14 core issues here so the first one is cultural heritage and practical advice for daily living from history and then secondly traditional virtues such as honesty and patience thirdly decisions about what is appropriate in different circumstances fourth transformational and transcendental experiences of wisdom particularly to do with spiritual experiences a fifth as an understanding of intuition, compassion, and affect, or emotions. Number six is the development of the character and virtue. The seventh area that uh, philosophy tends to look at in terms of wisdom tends to be how to make sound judgments and take sound actions. Number eight is in thinking and making wise choices and decisions. Number nine is on becoming virtuous and how to become virtuous. Uh, The tenth area tends to be around wisdom as a sense of balance. Number eleven comes in at wisdom as an ability to have foresight. Uh, The twelfth area of research uh, in terms of the philosophy of wisdom um, is around (coughs) self-management, excuse me, emotion regulation and knowledge. Mm Uh, and then number 13 is wisdom in professional knowledge and the ability to make wise judgments, which I guess is about a lot that we're going to be talking yeah. about um, within kind of management and, and leadership decision-making. Mm-hmm. And then wisdom is an ability to entertain and navigate a diversity of perspectives and viewpoints. I don't know, is there anything you want to – that strikes you about the, that that list, Sarah?
1: No, I think – well, except that I think one of the things that um, – Sort of the philosophical study of wisdom, um, and it's interesting because I think you can kind of go back to you know sort of Aristotle and some of the kind of early um, thoughts, philosophical thoughts around wisdom. And actually, there was quite a gap even in the philosophical literature around exploring wisdom, but a kind of resurgence of interest there. But I think one of the things that's interesting about it when you go into organisations and you talk to managers and leaders, or you know the the kind of you know people like you or I wandering around on the streets, is that there's still this assumption that comes that I think is underpinned very much by some of the philosophical approaches to wisdom, which is that it's this, um, this kind of pinnacle of human development, that it's beyond the reach of, you know, a kind of everyday person. So therefore, is it even something that we can kind of start to study or think about or has particular relevance in individual lives? But what's really interesting in that list is I think that there are some key things in there. As you were saying, you know, you look at some of the challenges organisations are facing that we're facing globally, political challenges, stuff that actually requires something more than what our existing frameworks around decision making and you know, good judgment and um, intelligence and some of those sorts of things perhaps have to offer. And
0: yeah, and the kind of ways that. Uh, and certainly, uh, given some of the situations that are happening here in America right now, uh, the, the way politicians are analysing things. Yeah. So, wisdom kind of transcends a lot of that,
1: doesn't yes, it? Yes, yes. I think that transcends, yeah. yeah, and that comes out, doesn't it, in that list? I think there's a bit, but they talk about self transcendence, but that bit yes. about being able to transcend and kind of move beyond or above yourself and other people's viewpoints and being able to take that more kind of detached observer perspective
0: but yeah i'm I'm also interested in this idea that kind of wisdom's not for us it's 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 kind of unreachable yes you kind of almost get this feeling of like somebody sat in a cave with a big long beard yeah Yeah. being the wise guru yes
1: sort of meditating for you know 12 hours a day and yeah Yeah. and i I just find it interesting that
0: mere mortals all people but also organizations And I kind of skip over this idea of wisdom and kind of get into other things without even considering it as if it is untouchable somehow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I completely agree. And I think that that's, that's what's really interesting about some of the work that's emerging at the moment, is it's bringing an awareness and an insight into wisdom as a construct in such a way that means people can actually start to see some practical application yeah. Um, for their own lives and uh, it suddenly feels like it's within grasp and there are some really interesting and exciting um, findings that are starting to emerge about actually it's variability how you know contextual influences you know who are you spending time with what kind of um, culture you're operating in within your organization how does your team communicate you know all sorts of things that can perhaps nudge us towards wiser thinking in a moment you know we don't all you know we might none of us (laughs) might aspire to end up you know perhaps potentially being that you know pinnacle of um, ultimate wisdom at all times but it doesn't mean
0: that we can't all be a little bit wiser some of the time when it's really needed yeah Um, and I I actually think that 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 kind of comes out in this study and and some of the work mm. that you've been doing so uh, uh, because we haven't mentioned to the listeners yet about Mm. your background in terms of the masters that you've done Mm around wisdom do you just want to talk a little bit about that
1: Um, yes so um, one of the things that I've been really interested in is positive psychology um, and um, one of the areas I've been really focusing on in terms of my research in that topic area is um, around wisdom and the development of wisdom but particularly looking at it through the lens of the psychological literature um, my area of practice is I work as a leadership development consultant and coach um, with the kind of large bulk of my work. Um, and what really enormously interests me is how are some of the findings in the psychological literature about wisdom applicable to developing wiser insight about both themselves. The idea of personal wisdom. Yeah. So how my eyes a leader have increased wisdom, insight, and self-knowledge that means I am able to operate in a different way. And then also collective wisdom. So, how, at an organizational level, can we have an understanding of wisdom that enables us to um, function and operate better, make wiser decisions about projecting into the future, et cetera?
0: And that's so, a, it feels more achievable, doesn't it, When you, yeah. when you kind of look at it rather than from... The idea of being the wise person to just becoming wiser feels a lot more achievable. Yes. And I feel like I'm nudging in a direction rather than achieving some kind of guru status where I'm always going to make wise decisions because as a human being, I know I'm flawed. Yeah. Yes. Uh,
1: and that's a really, I think this comes out a little bit later, I know. Mm. I'm, we're, I'm jumping ahead to what yes, I know is coming up uh, in the paper. Uh, this idea of sort of intellectual humility and actually that that, that mm. just that realisation is a really important part of wisdom, that you yes. know, I know I'm fundamentally flawed mm. and um, that yeah. you, know,
0: you kind of have that frame around the way in which you think about things. Mm. is um, an important part of it, actually. Yeah, well, that, that kind of nudge into making wiser decisions is that kind of realisation that I may not be actually right. Yeah. here and you kind of search it it creates a mindset where you're going to start to search for other information where you don't shut down on things and I suppose that's what this is talking about about understanding a wider seeing things from different perspectives and and being a bit more objective about it yeah
1: completely Yeah. yeah yeah that kind of multiple viewpoints and being able to hold different ideas in mind simultaneously so the ability yeah. to be able to deal with kind of paradox and that tension and not rush to kind of need to have a definite answer so not being overly attached to things trying to close it down yes yes.
0: this thing about just going off for a second but this thing about paradox is something that I've got very interested in 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 kind of my own area there was a really interesting study um, done um, last year I think it was published um, about the uh, Finnish police Mm -hmm. so um, after the crash in 2008 like most um, European countries um, Finland found itself in a, 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 a big deficit situation and <clears throat> in order for austerity you know for, yeah. to start cutting back what it realised was that it needed to make efficiencies in lots of the public services you know nothing unusual there mm. in, in Western Europe after the crash And so one of the things that it did was that it went to the police service, and the the police service in Finland was, uh, like the UK, was made up of a whole series of different forces. I can't remember how many. So in the UK, there are 47 different police forces. And it said, right, okay, we need to make economies of scale here. What we need you to do is we need you to um, flatten the structure so there aren't all these. So we want largely a, a kind of a... A, a national police force hmm. all buying the same uniform we want you to standardize as much as possible okay. so that you cut costs yeah right and then what they said so that was one side of the paradox yeah. standardization yeah the other side of the paradox without realizing they set this paradox up was that we want you to make sure that you're um, uh, dealing with the needs of the local people okay okay well you know like any country, you know, Finland's made up of people who live in in the middle of cities and, and metropolitan areas, and people who live out in Lapland mm-hmm. in tents, yeah. and you know, in 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 the permafrost. Mm-hmm. And policing those kinds of areas are very different requirements. Yeah. And you know, I was a police officer. I was a police officer in in uh, the Lake District, and our requirements there were very different from the inner city requirements. Different knowledge of laws, different procedures, different ways of dealing with people, and the whole thing is different. So, what the government had done without realizing it is it set up this paradox. Mm Of standardization and localization yeah. so that you know people be dealt with as they needed to be and what actually happened and this was the interesting thing about the study is that they found that the, the firstly the police didn't recognize the paradox oh, okay so this is the wisdom okay, thing yes so the wise thing would have been able to stand back and say ah we're in a to paradoxical it. situation yeah yeah quite And then what they found they were doing was that they were going from one extreme to the other. So they were standardizing everything, and every now and again they'd jump out into a local issue to try to deal with something like, I don't know, something to do with fishermen up in the the north of Finland. Yeah. How to police them differently than you would people in in a city, for example. Not being able to deal with that in a standard way, trying to create a standardised policy and then jumping back into the thing that we're comfortable with, which was creating a standardised, because they're a uniform service, into a standardised process and hierarchy and things like that. What came out of that from a psychological point of view is that as human beings, we tend not to be very good at dealing with paradoxes. Yeah. And it's largely that inability. We what we tend we get involved in the detail too quickly yeah. without standing back and saying what's the structure of this. Yeah. So I guess that's what you're talking about when you're talking about whiz- practical wisdom. Yes, I, I think it's a
1: that's a really important part of it. So it's the. Being able to sit in both of those perspectives. So let's let's say there's the perspective of the standardisation. There's about what are the benefits and advantages that come from being able to create a degree of predictability and certainty about how we operate and a set of rules by which we can all function, which are, you know has enormous cost savings and all sorts of other things. Um, you know, energy efficient. You know, it streamlines yeah. decision making. A lot of those sorts of things. Then on the other end, you've got the need to be able, as individuals, to use your own wise judgment in order to be able to deal with emerging yeah. circumstances the situation you find yourself in. But actually, from a, from a collective point of view, it's about being able to step back and hold both of those things in mind and see both mm-hmm. playing out in front of you. So yeah. that third perspective mm-hmm. of being able to almost transcend both, see the paradox and see the tension that arises in relationship to each other, and be able to hold that and be able to move forward and still yes. work in spite of it.
0: So, you, So even though you're dealing with one side, you yeah. still aware of the other side and it's
1: kind of a level of objectivity yeah I think absolutely it is it's about kind of and sometimes in the literature you know I think they often use terms about being able to kind of self-transcendence which has multiple different I think can mean very different things based on where you're reading it what the context is in which it's being said from kind of that spiritual idea of self-transcendence yeah. but in this circumstances what I'm talking about is kind of transcending your own individual viewpoint so you're able to take almost a bystander perspective uh, you can step out fly on the wall yes. um, mm-hmm. you know it's in, in some of the um, psychological research that's been done looking at wisdom um, one of the, one of the um, things that they've tried which seems to make a real difference in people's um, ability to to be able to access wiser reasoning is this idea of it getting them to imagine that they're on a magic carpet and that they kind know. of float up above yeah. and they literally kind of on that carpet do a circuit of the globe and they kind of look down and see um, you know, a little window into what's going yeah. on in different countries around the world and then they come back and look down on the situation that they were first yes. you know, in, if you like, at the beginning. Yeah. So it's that ability to be able to pull out of the situation yeah. and, and take a system. broader, richer perspective. Exactly, yeah, yeah. a systems perspective. I think is a yeah another kind of angle or slant
0: on this. Yes, yeah. and then being able to see all, of, hold it in your mind yes. to be able to see all those levels exactly at the same time in order to make wiser decisions. Yeah. because no matter what decision you make. From a systems perspective, it's going to affect everything. Yes, and being able to see it all, yeah, you can then start to work out what the consequences of your decision are going to be. Yeah, and I think this is probably one of the things that are kind of irking people to do with the political situations here in America and yeah. other politics. Yeah, is that it kind of feels like people aren't making wise decisions because what they're not thinking through are all of the consequences yeah they they focus on one thing rather than thinking hang on this is going to affect this 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 and we can see a kind of a global set of impacts as well as local impacts and maybe that's what's causing quite a lot of the anger yeah i'm picking up so yes
1: well i think it really is and the thing is because So, um, I think one of the other things that's happening, if you look at what some of the political decision making at the moment is, each of us is a part of this kind of wider system. So, we can see the potential effect from our Mm. kind of bit of the world. So, we all have a bit of the information that actually would be really important to be kind of including and incorporating in this. But being able to kind of step back and encapsulate or kind of take account of all of that Mm. is actually a, a really challenging and tricky thing to do. I think wise politics kind of what would wisdom look like in a political yeah. system is another whole oh that's
0: really interesting would be though, a really it? yeah that's there's, a whole thesis there's a book, in that.
1: <laughs> a book or a PhD in that <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> yeah interesting so and we've only just covered one third of the paper actually because we've we just this is this discussion yes. about the whole thing about the philosophical yeah treatment of wisdom Um, The paper then goes into looking at uh, the two other aspects, which are to do with theology and psychology. So theology tends to treat practical wisdom um, across kind of eight themes, the the study found. Um, Wisdom uh, as a divine and handed down gift, as opposed to an achievement or development. Wisdom from a divine or universal natural source. Um, Historical religious heritage. Wisdom as a guide, particularly for navigating uncertainty. Uh, Wisdom as a process for becoming open. um, And having the ability to be able to build and see and understand reality. Um, And then um, we've got uh, wisdom for making sound judgments. Wisdom as a moral and ethical virtue. How to make good decisions for the greater good. And then lastly, um, the last theme that they found from a theological point of view was wisdom as an overarching concept that encapsulates all other virtues. And is there anything that you would comment on about looking at wisdom from a more theological point of view? Um, I think um, a couple of
1: things that really jump out, I think, from the summary um, presented there is this idea of for the common good so that there is some kind of moral component to it. Um, so I think in the philosophical list, they talk about ethical decision-making and those sorts of things. And I think yeah. actually layering onto that a, a degree of a, a moral component, I think actually is quite an important part yes. of wisdom. Yes. Um, and the idea of the common good. Yes. Um, That's it, interesting. That yeah. comes out quite a bit in the um, psychological literature as well. Right. Yeah. So it transcends self interests Yes. So it is... Yes. It is
2: For the great good. Exactly,
1: yeah. And and perhaps increasingly this is something that's really important when we're thinking about um, practical wisdom in terms of leadership and I think in an organisational context as well, is um, actually what kind of world are we shaping and creating by... The kind of organizations we're creating, the kind of um, financial systems we operate in, the way in which we, yes. Or, you know, the kind of looking at topics like um, um, artificial intelligence and the use of Mm. AI in organizations and starting to reflect on things like, actually, how can we use some of these incredible technological advances to actually help us create a future world that is for the common good? And that those are the sorts of things that would be really good to hear being discussed Mm. in businesses in organizations so it kind of um i think it starts to raise that aspect of wisdom
0: i think there's a there's a and and this is why we're starting to see an increase in research in wisdom i think is is because particularly businesses a lot of businesses are becoming more socially aware more aware of the impact that they're having not just environmentally but you know if if, we just Extracting resources, are we just making a profit, or are we actually doing something? And there's an awful lot of research now pointing to the fact that if people are in organisations that are aligned with their values, that they feel like they're doing some good globally, not you know, so in their in their society or they're doing good for the country, and not just doing good by yeah. building a profit yeah. for that company, yeah. that there's greater employee engagement and um, greater, what you tend to find is that there are more what we call organisational citizenship behaviours, so people going above and beyond, yeah. not just doing what they you know, coming in doing their job and leaving, yeah. but they're helping around, they're helping other people within the organisation. So a lot of the research that we're seeing is aligning a lot of this stuff mm. to do with individual values the values of the organisation and how that fits more globally with society whether whether the organisation is actually doing some good or is actually just there to make money
1: yeah yeah and that whole um, yeah no I completely agree and I think this bit of um, people having a real sense of meaning and purpose that they are yeah. contributing in a way which is just it meets so much of our kind of fundamental human needs and drives and then um, and wisdom really is about supporting and focusing on that side of it. that's, yeah, um, that's interesting. That more eudaimonic, as opposed to hedonic. You know, that yeah. kind of idea of sort of happiness, pleasure, mm. and you know, living a you know, a happy life mm. versus a meaningful and purposeful life, and that kind of more eudaimonic, as it's yes. described, um, um, way of thinking about our experience and the importance of um, kind of meaning and purpose in there. And I think that's a really integral part.
0: Of um, wisdom, yeah, practical wisdom—that that feeling that we've we've done something yes, that's yeah, positive, that's yes, contributing
1: exactly, yeah, interesting, yeah, yeah. making really a meaningful difference. Mm. I think it's like, yeah. and
0: organisations that do that tend to align more with the mm-hmm. with the values of the people that are inside yes, and outside, yes. and it seems to be having quite an impact both on customers okay. and employees. Yeah, yeah, and therefore a central role for wisdom, I suppose. Let's, let's just have a look at the, the, the there's a list of, of, of nine areas that um, psychologists tend to look at wisdom, or nine perspectives that psychologists tend to look at wisdom from. Um, so... Um, A lot of this research comes from positive psychology but but not all of it so from a psychological perspective the core issues or the core research issues tend to be these nine areas which are wisdom as an affect so um, a set of emotions that are powered by values and beliefs for example um, empathy and compassion yeah Uh, the second one is reflective wisdom Um, And that's uh, things such as the ability to purposefully think, engage in things like introspection, reflection, and to develop wise intuition. Uh, Thirdly, uh, the third aspect of of, uh, wisdom from a psychological point of view tends to be the cognitive aspects of wisdom, such as intelligence, thinking and problem-solving abilities and things like that, which I guess tends to be where most people see it from. Um, and particularly from a psychological research. And I've got a funny feeling that, if we were to analyse it, that would be probably one of the biggest areas. And then um, wisdom from an ethical and moral perspective, uh, and then wisdom about finding balance. Uh, this aspect of wisdom tends to include things like mindfulness and the ability to be able to build and find internal balance, life balance, but also balancing interests and activities, mm-hmm. as well as the ability to be able to balance and manage uncertainty and ambiguity which is something that's close to my heart um, and then the sixth area that um, wisdom tends to be looked at by psychologists is um, wisdom as tolerance and acceptance and then wisdom from uh, experience and the development of expertise in the in order to enhance decision-making and thinking mm-hmm. Uh, the penultimate area that psychology tends to look at is wisdom in terms of being able to include um, systemic and systematic social and global issues into one's thinking deliberations, which we've yeah, just been... We were
1: talking about, really, isn't it? Yeah. Talking about,
0: yeah. And then wisdom from the perspective of being wise and promoting and developing wisdom, mm-hmm. um, which, which kind of, in, I think... Encapsulates most of the areas that I'm aware of yeah. to do with psychology, anyway.
1: Yes, um, yeah, there are. Um, I think some of it is um, a bit about how do you divide it up, and um, you know what are some of the labels and things that are used mm-hmm. in order to kind of cluster some of the research and work um, together. Um, I think one of the things um, for me that maybe isn't featured as much on that list as this idea of wisdom as narrative so the okay. actually the way in which we um, create narratives about ourselves mm. and about society and well so if you start to look at organisational wisdom for example what are some of the narratives that exist within the organisation um, and their role in terms of um, coherence and um, providing a framework within which mm. wiser thinking judgment those sorts of things um, might arise and, um,
0: and occur That's really and, interesting this idea of narrative mm. and And wisdom, I hadn't actually thought of it like that because when when I do start to think about it, you know, our narrative, the stories we tell, the stories we think up and believe ourselves all have consequences. Yeah,
1: yeah, completely. And I think some of the bits in there around, um, as was highlighted here, and there's quite a a lot of work in the um, psychological literature around wisdom um, about experience. So, you know. (laughs) A lot of people, if you go out and you ask people, kind of, you know, actually, could you be wise without experience? It seems Mm. hard to kind of imagine how that would happen, that it feels as if you need to have a degree of experience. And yet, equally, we all know that there are plenty of people with, you know, decades of experience who we wouldn't necessarily call wise. (laughs) So, so one doesn't automatically lead to the other by any stretch. Um, So, what is it about some of the other aspects that underpin somebody Mm. being able to develop wisdom through experience? Experience. And I think narrative is one of the really important parts of that. So what's the narrative we create ourselves around our experience?
2: Yeah,
0: um, interesting, isn't it? I, yeah, because I, what brought to mind, you know, some, and I'm just thinking about children here, hmm. you kind of... Listen to children, and some children, when you you, you kind of listen to them talk, you, people say it's wise head.
2: Yeah, yes. And they,
0: they you know, they somehow yeah. they have this ability to be able to see things that other yeah. children of their age aren't seeing in, yeah. a, in a completely yeah. different perspective, and they can see different perspectives. Yeah,
1: yeah, and um, layering on top of some of that is perhaps. Um, so picking up on you know a wise head on very young shoulders yes. for example so children who um, find themselves in circumstances for example with a life threatening illness or yeah. you know really kind of um, mm. some of the most kind of tragic and you know demanding circumstances that um, a young person might walk into or face mm. and the wisdom that some children seem mm. to be able to access in that those kinds of circumstances yeah. so I think there's a very interesting bit as well in the psychological literature around the degree to which is this an adaptive function that humans have so do we or is this maybe a, something that exists within us the potential to access wisdom yes. when you know as a resource that enables us to get through stuff
0: yeah um, so when a situation occurs it starts to come out yes in some people yes. and then other people it doesn't for some reason yeah, yeah.
2: And, then,
1: so, yeah. And, and what is it then that means it does for some and not for others so yes. what's the process that's going on Um. And and this is one of the areas that particularly interests me is do you have to have tough circumstances? Ah, yes. So does wisdom only emerge if you've kind of been thrown into the crucible, mm. if you like, and you've kind of had to? You know, is it forged through um, yes. coming through the tough stuff um, and you know aligned to some of the work around things like post-traumatic growth? And, yeah. and absolutely, it seems fairly compelling that wisdom definitely is You know, it's something that can emerge from those circumstances, but. Do you have to have those sorts of tough circumstances to become wise?
0: Yeah, well that's, that's interesting. So from my own area to do with kind of uncertainty and emotion regulation, yeah. there are very similar things going on there where there's this sense that people who've been through trauma yeah. quite often, not always though, quite often develop the ability to be able to regulate emotions, yeah. but also to cope with and deal with uncertainty better. Yeah. Um, but there are other people who don't have a traumatic background and still enable them to okay. do it. So th- there is a, this, but it seems to do something. And th- for some people, it seems yeah. to kind of s- click a switch yes. almost. Yes, yes. And, and, and it's interesting that you're talking about it in terms of wisdom, because from my Perspective, my yeah. research is it quite often it'll flick a switch for people being able to cope with and be more productive with uncertainty yeah yes you know, well which would be which would have some parallels I with yes, wisdom I think so, so okay. you know I think
1: uh, you know, that's kind of one of the core aspects around the yeah. wisdom bit so can they bring a quality of wisdom to the way in which they now encounter and deal with um, and, and feel about w- uh, uncertainty yes so, rather yeah. than just
0: reacting emotionally yes. and being a negative emotion yeah that, that where they st- where they start it's like a knee-jerk reaction yes. that's that where they're kicking out at people and things yeah. like that they're able to kind of calm down and be a bit more phlegmatic I suppose
1: which is because so sort of Oh, sparked off something, <laughs> but this bit about um, so self-defending, so kind of mm. defending oh, yourself yeah. yes. by kind of you know dismissing yeah. everything outside if you like, and yeah. kind of, you know, gun sort of yes, exactly. Yeah. So sort of self-protecting, um, and if, you know, the sort of the wise aspect of that is that actually that you can let go of that. You may recognise it, particularly if you're high in personal wisdom. So yes. you may recognise those defence mechanisms kicking in, mm. but. Almost clock that—that's what's going on. So yes. you can kind of um, you know, step outside of yourself and notice that process um, and adjust. And perhaps, it. yes, mm. and perhaps if there are um, you know, its not something we've talked about so far, but you know, there may be. Perhaps there are levels of wisdom. Perhaps yeah. you can—you know—there's degrees of which. So you know, you may get more or less skillful. You, know, you may be able to get more skillful in that. Um, but also the bit about being able to see the uncertainty so to see uncertainty so one of the things around in um, wisdom is that recognition of uncertainty mm-hmm. as opposed to perhaps a form of defense mechanism that some people may have which is around deciding everything is certain and kind of almost ruling out and and not denial Mm. completely you know not even being able and complete inability to even see the uncertainty becoming more and more fixed and more and more dogmatic and kind of yes um, you know attached to the view that you have Mm. and the the world view that you see yes which is interesting
0: because these are the kinds of things that we're seeing politically at the moment yes yeah yeah Yeah. it's playing out in
1: full glory
0: (laughs) 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 and and it's not looking good no
1: Sure. One quick look at Twitter. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah stay away from that. It's a bad habit. <laughs> um, yeah, fascinating. So the, the, the study, let me just go back to the study for a little um, hmm. What What they did do um, is that they did a, a, a fairly good kind of review of all the research since uh, 2000 on practical leadership and management um, decision making uh, uh, wisdom mm. uh, to find out what the, the main themes have been through those um, those things uh, There's a fairly long list but bear with me because there's some interesting stuff mm. in here so the kinds of areas that um, leadership management wisdom research tends to focus on are not surprisingly decision making uh, as we've just been talking about dealing with uncertainty but also complexity and unpredictability Dealing with dilemmas and paradoxes, which we've also been talking about, Um, and wisdom-based strategy, which is interesting, organizational wisdom, um, and this is wisdom in, and the impact of compliance cultures, particularly on things like wisdom, Um, wisdom in human resource management, wisdom as well-being, ethical decision-making. Uh, Wisdom is an integrative capacity and what this means is the ability to be able to incorporate a wide range of issues and views including ethical, moral and social system factors into your decision making and not just focusing on profit for example. Um, Then the ability to be able to, and and this comes out of the last one I think, the ability to be able to integrate the common good, truthfulness and beauty and aesthetics into work and organisational outcomes which is interesting because we haven't touched on that, that, that idea of kind of beauty and aesthetics, but also truthfulness as well. Um, wisdom in decision-making and judgment-making, particularly in the ability to question and challenge common sense, groupthink, yeah. and dominant assumptions. Yeah. And I, that's, I, thats well, personally, I think that's really important. Yeah. Wisdom is the ability to... Um, incorporate and integrate evidence-based and research-based scientific informa- information in with human social, ethical and moral aspects, particularly in terms of strategy. It's that ability to be able to bring all of these aspects in together yeah. And, yeah. and not just ignore them because we don't have the capacity to be able to yeah. cognitively deal with those things. Yeah. Um, going back to the politicians which I think quite a lot of them are doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, the development of of wisdom as a leader and as a manager. There's a, a range of papers on that. Developing wisdom across an organization. Mm. Practical wisdom as a prime methodology for dealing with complexity and uncertainty, yeah. which is yeah. something I'm particularly interested in. Practical wisdom for improving decision making and judgment making. Um, wisdom for personal involvement and awareness of personal limitations shortcomings this is the kind of flawed individual thing as well as organizational limitations and shortcomings wisdom in learning and creating a learning organization wisdom as humility organizational wisdom for benefiting from diversity and balancing capacity across an organization well-being using spiritual traditions Um, to have a positive impact within an organization, seeking inspiration from a wide variety of sources, using wisdom for creating a dream or a vision for motivating people, creating inspiring, credible, and ethical goals, wisdom uh, in the use of power, particularly in terms of things like servant leadership, Uh, wisdom in becoming informed and disciplined, wisdom using evidence and research based sources in decision making and day to day actions and then also lastly is embracing religious ethos to promote innovation and entrepreneurial thinking. So what do you reckon to that list?
1: It's an interesting list isn't it? It is yeah. So these are all um, areas where there has been research done looking at wisdom in organisations isn't it? Yeah
0: since 2000. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's it's really interesting and then yeah, the
0: diversity well, in there that's, that's what I'm struck
1: because I think it's yeah, it, the variety is really interesting yes, isn't it yeah. the kind of different things that are being looked at mm. and explored and I think it's one of the things that I thought was really interesting when we came across this paper was um, what a remarkable job they've done I think of pulling a lot mm. of this work together yes. tying it up with the research from the psychological research the um the papers in the area of theology and also the philosophical approaches um, and looking at actually how do we start to make some sense of mm. this because it can feel you know it's a list that, that can feel quite confusing in yes. a way i mean some really interesting things yeah. but kind of what do you do with all of mm. that and i think this paper has done a really good job of pulling together some of the key strands on it but the key i mean i, I as you were going through the list, I was kind of scribbling down yeah. a couple of keywords that, um, for me, pop up a lot in that list, which I think are really important ones that I'd have, you know, take a big, great big giant oh. highlighter pen and kind <laughs> of go over, okay. which is about integration and balance. Yeah. And that bit about, I thought that was really interesting, the bit about um compliance. Mm. Um, and the challenge of it goes back to a bit of what you were saying earlier about, you know, if you kind of get a lot of conformity, you try and get everything the same. But equally, people need to be able to um, deal with local um, issues and mm. the tension between that. And one of the challenges around if you operate in an area that's very, um, has high compliance requirements, mm. um, where there's a lot of rules and things that need to mm. be met, that yeah. are we stripping away people's um opportunity to develop and flex their wisdom muscle, if you like, yeah. to be able to use good judgement.
0: Well that's interesting because that's one of the uh, the areas that I've written about in the past which is uh, what organisations tend to do in terms of compliance is they create structures and systems, policies, mm. procedures mm. Uh, and uh, sets of rules. What these things are actually doing is they're stripping away people's ability to make yeah. decisions because. Yeah. In effect, what they're saying is, the organization has made these decisions for you. This is how we want you to make those decisions. So So people get less and less used to making decisions in organizations, and the decisions that they do make are smaller and smaller and smaller. And that means that when they actually have to make a big decision in a crisis or something, they're ill-prepared because they're not used to making a decision. And what then tends to happen in an organisation is, rather than making a decision and trying it, they'll bounce the decision up to the next level of management. Yes. So nobody's making a decision. It just keeps getting deferred. Yeah. And it becomes a a real issue. And and so organisations are kind of pulling against themselves in some ways. You know, you'll get the same as consultants you, you get um, people coming to you and say look I want people to start taking responsibility in the organisation I want them making decisions yes. and you look at their structures and systems and it's all about not making decisions yes. Yes. we'll take the decisions off you yes I
1: mean, this is slightly, slightly offered a little bit of a tangent, <laughs> but it was an a amusing thing somebody said to me the other day, and it, actually it just landed kind of really around some of this topic. It was, um, it's a, a colleague of mine that I've been doing some work with, and she was saying about how um, one of the things that just struck her was an organisation she'd gone into, and they were having exactly this conversation, and they were saying, oh, you know, we want people to take more decisions for themselves, you want to more account- personal accountability, exactly that sort of thing. And she said, and her feedback to them was, and yet on the wall of your toilets you have instructions telling people how they should leave the toilets. (laughs) And suddenly it leapt out at me and I kind of actually, how many organizations have that? Mm. It's really loads, isn't it? And yet, to that degree, there's a kind of, so it was a sort of slightly amusing example, but actually when she held the mirror up to it, I kind of thought, actually, that's so true. And and that's Uh,
0: the part of, for me, organizational wisdom is the ability to be able to stand back and see that system, see that actually we've got a system here that's removing decision-making. No wonder people don't want to make decisions. so having a look at the whole system means that maybe we need to loosen off some things here, maybe we need to stop creating policies and and a typical thing that happens in organisations is that a, a, a mistake will be made something will happen that goes wrong and as a result of that, there's a new set of rules come yeah, out. Yeah,
1: so uh, yeah, let's create a policy or yeah. put something in place in order to ensure that.
0: Yeah, which is basically saying this is how to make the decision. Yeah, you know, we don't want you making decisions; yeah. we'll make the decision for you. And one of the things that I, I suspect I hadn't really thought about this before is that the I suppose the connection between wisdom and having an error culture where people can make mistakes and learn from them rather than trying to stop mistakes. It's yeah. not a wise thing yeah. to do because yeah. it, you know it's not natural. Yeah. We learn through our mistakes and we have learn through our successes, but organisations tend to be risk-averse yeah. and error-averse, but that has a consequence. Yeah,
1: and I think potentially an organisation that struggles to do that and to kind of let off on some of those things actually is actively kind of putting in place barriers to creating yeah. a wise organization and wiser leaders
2: yeah yeah I think it's
1: really important barry schwartz's work on this is really interesting his stuff around um practical wisdom in organizations oh, okay. and this idea of that we're creating so many kind of rules and procedures and policies around things that we're kind of stripping out any space or opportunity or um, um kind of ways in which people can develop their own personal wisdom and bring that into mm. the way in which they engage
0: in their roles so, I think that's quite important. Yeah. So certainly from the, the kind of the research and work that I've done around uncertainty, is it, it's mirroring what happens with uncertainty. So organisations, by yeah. the very fact that they're yeah. called organisations, are trying to create more and more certainty yeah. within the organisation. The trouble yeah. is people get so comfortable with the, that level of certainty, knowing exactly what they're doing, knowing exactly how to do it, knowing their network exactly, mm. that when change comes, that yeah. the they find that traumatic rather than having a situation that's a bit looser so that when they can cope with the uncertainties and having too little uncertainty has a very similar kind of effect as having too many rules is it's stripping people of the ability to flex those decision-making muscles but also flex their... Uncertainty, coping with uncertainty muscles. Yeah. yeah. As it were. Yeah. And and that wisdom for me is that ability to be able to stand back and see. How the impact that the organization's having on things like this
1: so this links back to I think it was in the list the theology list where they no it was oh, I can't remember which of the list it was where it talked about um, it was the theology one which talked about wisdom as the meta-virtue
2: yes so, yeah mm.
1: and, then, and again this is something um, Barry Schwartz talks about um, there's a really interesting paper by Schwartz and Sharp on this where they talk about wisdom as exactly that the meta-virtue mm. and the um, the, the, the the kind of skill of wisdom is the ability to be able to step back and know when you need to dial up or dial down yeah. any of those other factors in yeah. the specific situation yeah. that you are in yeah. so they use the really nice example of um, so, yeah, a real practical day-to-day bit would be you know yeah. I've got dressed up for an evening out and I turn to you Dave and I go does my bum look big in this <laughs> <laughs> you have to make the judgment call whether yeah, well, I'm going to be That's, honest or not what's the wise answer <laughs> and it's not so if you've got the virtue of honesty you've mm. got the virtue of compassion mm. you've got you know and you, and you kind yes. of say wisdom is the ability to be able to hold all of those bits of navigate information it. in mind to navigate mm. the context that you're in the relationship all of that sort of thing yes. and know okay do I dial that one up dial mm. this one down in order yes. to be able to yes. kind of move forward for the common good
0: for uh, yeah. yeah so say something like that's a really nice dress but the blue one's even better
1: is perfect <laughs> <laughs> I should definitely ask for your opinion <Okay>.
0: <laughs> okay, just back to the paper, just finally. Um, what, what the study found was eight primary features of practical leadership management wisdom, which are, are really uh, interesting. So, the study found that practical leadership management wisdom has eight key features. And these are the first one is action oriented. So, it's about transforming information, knowledge, beliefs, values, and decisions into action to achieve outcomes. The second one is um, what they call integrative orientation. And this is the ability to be able to build and integrate all layers of issues acting on an organization into the decision-making and being able to balance competing tensions and create a reflective learning culture, which is what we've just actually been talking about. Um, A normative feature Um, This is practical wisdom using different types of knowledge in order to create uh, a good life for oneself and others in a way that's socially responsible. And number four is a socially linked decisions, which are ensuring that decisions and actions are socially responsible. Number five is a a pluralistic decision-making and action-taking Um, and this is ensuring that the diversity of issues and perspectives are being considered and taken account of. Number six is personality related features and these includes developing authenticity, discipline, self-awareness and becoming considered. Number seven, these are cultural heritage features which means being sensitive and open to learning about and from history, Mm -hmm. cultural heritage as well as taking part in helping to mold and adapt it in a new-world context. And then, I can feel you. (laughs) And then lastly, number eight is um, limitation-related features. And what this refers to is the fact that practical wisdom includes an awareness of the limitations we have as individuals and developing humility, regardless of one's own achievements, abilities, or knowledge. So...
1: So yeah I a lot yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and lots of stuff actually you know, that kind of encapsulates some of what we've been talking about and exploring. Actually, the one, there's one particularly that jumps out at me, which I think is a really important one and one that um, really um, caught my interest and fascination and maybe it's slightly aligned to some what I was saying earlier about the narrative bit, but this bit about history hmm. and that looking to the past, being able to think about the present and being able to project into the future. Yeah. So this idea of being able to kind of move along, not only multiple perspectives, so you know that, that kind of pluralistic viewpoints, if you like, yeah. being able to step into multiple different diverse views about yeah. something, being able to take an objective observer view. So being able to kind of you know rise up and take that bystander, a detached observer perspective, but also being able to almost float through time, if you like, to kind of, to look back into the past. Um, to see where we are now and to move into the future. So the the kind of time traveller components, if you like, of wisdom, I think
0: is really interesting. Yeah, that's interesting because quite often we think about thinking about our situation, about all the factors that are present right now. Mm -hmm. But actually our situation in history is as a result of what's happened and our thinking is... Both constrained and enabled by that, but also our place in history. What are, kind of, almost, what are we going to be remembered for? But also, what legacy we're leaving, and where are we going? Yes. And and having that perspective, you know, adds wisdom because yes. you can, you know. And this is a sorry to go back to politics again. I kind of wonder whether a lot of politicians really think through how they're going to be viewed by yeah. history.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and, tidily, I and yes, <laughs> and where, um, and I think there is something about different individuals' preference about this. So, there certainly mm. seems to be some indications, I think, in the literature around um, you know, what's the kind of timeline different people are more naturally drawn towards. So, when you ask people to yeah. kind of step into the future and look back, you know, actually, how many of us. Truly, can step into a future that's fifty years from now or a hundred yeah. years from now, versus you know next year, mm. five years, ten years, next week. Um, yes, <laughs> yeah, and you, you so so that ability mm. to really be able oh. to kind of project into a future and look back, yes. and um, I think is a, a muscle again that we could stretch a little more.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? Because you know that that suggestion that we are we're we're creating history, yes, right now, yeah, and and what. What legacy do you want to leave yeah. right now yeah. that other people will look back on and think that yeah. was good? Yeah. I'm glad they did that.
1: And when you look at collective wisdom, so I know we're talking about um, practical wisdom mm. here in a sense, that kind of I- ability, that sort of idea of wisdom that we applied, it kind of shapes the way in which we act and behave on um, a daily basis. Or um, that Actually, when you also start to look at collective wisdom mm. and... The degree to which there are things we are creating that are setting up patterns, uh-huh. ways of thinking and behaving, going into the future based on what we, you know, uh-huh. the, the social product, if you mm-hmm. like, the social and cultural product that we like that. put forward now, um, that starts to influence that.
0: Well, yeah, this is, uh, yeah. So, in going back to the whole organisational thing, the, the kinds of thinking and the kinds of Discussions that we have, the kind of narrative the stories that we tell now, are actually setting up the future, Ex- yeah. for where they're going, yeah, where where the the, the seeding into that. And if yeah. we want a wise deci- if we want a wise organisation, yes, wise leadership, wise management, the things that we do right now are going to impact that out in the future, which comes back to this con- consideration of consequences.
1: Yes, a real awareness of the kind of ripple
0: effect, yeah. and then. Um, I think it's really important for this, yeah. And and how is, you know, the question is how, what are the things that we are doing now that is going to have a positive impact yeah. on our future? Yeah. So that when we get there, that we'll be in a good position, we'll be in a wiser position, more people within the organisation will be thinking in this these practical, wise ways, yeah. I suppose. Yes. Uh, which I, think, is,
1: I think the moment you just ask... Um, People. I was sort of experimenting with this a little bit when I was doing, um, you know, starting doing some of my research was um, you know, just getting around to having conversations with people about wisdom and what do you think mm-hmm. of wisdom. And you know, if I asked you to think about what is a wise decision, what, what sparks off in your mind. And one of the things that came back fairly consistently just from these kind of incidental conversations was this idea of time. And that when you ask somebody to think about you know, so one of the things I was asking people to do was think about a particular challenging decision that you're facing at the moment or a situation you're struggling mm-hmm. with. And if I ask you to think about that from the perspective of bringing a wiser frame to it, how does that, you're just mm-hmm. literally asking people to, not even mm-hmm. discussing what wisdom is, just mm-hmm. try and think more wisely about it. And fairly consistently, the response that came back was people were projecting further into the future. Oh. They were imagining what was the longer-term consequences oh. of any decision that they made in that particular That's moment right now. So, it's interesting. This is, I think something about that kind of a real sense of what's the legacy mm.
0: that you might be leaving or setting up. I've not noticed that before because that's a question that sometimes I use on myself. Okay. Sometimes with so when so I'm what doing do you, coaching, when you
1: do it, yeah. Well, what uh,
0: response do so you find? So if I'm find? in a, a pickle and I don't know what to do, for yes. example, sometimes I don't always do it, but sometimes I say, okay. So what would be the wise response yeah. now? Yeah. What I hadn't clogged. Yeah. Was that. I was probably now thinking longer term okay. as a result of think, that okay. and I'm, I'm just thinking about this because I, it's a question I quite often ask my co okay. when they're in a pickle I say okay so what would be the wise thing to do yeah. now or what would a wise person it's, say yeah, about so this? You, yeah. and I I really hadn't thought about it but I'm going to start noticing that now and uh, yeah I think you're right I think you've got to almost because you've got to think of the consequences long term yeah, and not just the short term yeah. consequences yeah and that, therefore, changes your perspective on the problem. That's really good. I, I, we're, we're, we're over the hour here, so... No, I okay. know, I know. <laughs> Tell me. Um, get us talking on a topic. <laughs> I know. Well, we're just approaching the hour now. So, um... I think I'm, I'm going to kind of cut it here. Mm. This has been, for me, a very valuable conversation. Really interesting. And it's I've an really interesting enjoyed paper. it. Let yeah. me just give the, the, give, give the, the reference out, um, and then um, you can go and get it. So uh, the paper was... <laughs> get the, <laughs> the researchers have these names. Why aren't they all called, like, your name, Smith? You know? So, <laughs> so and my apologies to the researchers if I get these wrong. So it's Backman... Hasbech and Dierksmeyer I think I've got that right that the paper's uh, 2018 Practical Wisdom managers No Longer Forgotten Virtue and it was published in the uh, Journal of Business Ethics um, a a little bit earlier on this year so um, thank you Sarah it's been brilliant I've really enjoyed that thank
1: you I've really enjoyed it too it's Um, been very good fun
0: yeah great and um, we'll be reviewing uh, another briefing um, in our next podcast so from Sarah, goodbye. And from me, it's goodbye and we'll see you soon. And if you've got any comments on these podcasts, please let us know. And if there are any topics, research topics that you'd like us to have a look at, do a research briefing and then do a podcast on, let us know as well. Um, We are very... Um, just from our members but also from the public driven so we're interested in what you're interested in as long as it's to do with kind of people and organizations Uh, that's our that's the bag for the Oxford Review really so thank you and goodbye